Good morning. Here we are. We are in week number four of a five-part series. Actually, we've got a bonus week coming up on Wednesday, so a little bonus teaching. But, um, you know, as we get started, there are various kinds of sticky. I, I brought with me, here's some, uh, this is, what's this called? Masking tape. Yeah, masking tape. I've got some masking tape. Um, that's that's a little bit sticky. Not um, really. <laughs> not, not a lot, really, unless you put it on something you don't want it to stick it'll to. Stick like great. the floor, it'll be forever. Yeah, it does a great job. Then I've got me some gray duct tape tape here. That's sticky. a little bit better, sticky. a little stickier. Sticky. Um, I like this. It'll put something together. Uh, you know, it's we in the South, we know how to use it's duct tape. It's practically holding my backyard together. <laughs> At this very moment. <laughs> but then, you know, we might want something a little more sticky. And so that's why I've got some super glue. Now in my house, when the kids were growing up, um, you know, please don't try this at home. This is not recommended procedure. Um, but this was our ER right here. Yeah. This is our yeah. ER. In fact, you have a cut on your hand. I, it's not quite deep enough for I this. Super glue. But um, we super glued a lot of cuts as my kids were growing up. I kept super glue all the time. But this will hold things together a little bit better. But you know, if I want something to really, really stick, um, I'm probably, I don't know anything no about idea. welders, but I, this is a welder. What kind is it? A, a arc welder, Mick, I, I don't know anything no about idea. welders, but I would have to ask someone to come and do it. And I know if they did, when they put that helmet on, if they used the welder, whatever they, you know, whatever metal or iron they were putting right. together, it is going to stay. So some of these hold together, um, some of them not so, not much, so much, some better than others. Right. Um, so today we are talking about uh, a sticky relationship. We're talking about, um, you know, how the fact that new is never going to come with the stickiness of masking tape. It's, it's sticky, but it's not sticky enough. We're never going to get to a place of new with masking tape. And we're never really, believe it or not, guys, I know this is hard to believe, new's never going to get there with the stickiness of duct tape. It, it, that's hard for me to say because, again, my backyard is being held together by duct tape. Even superglue, it's not going to get the job done. Superglue's not going to be able to hold uh, or get us to a state of new. It's that level of stickiness is not enough. For us to get to a, a state of new, which what we, really it's what we've been talking about now. This is the fourth week of this. For us to get to that point, we're going to have to have a little more serious bond. We're going to have to have a bond with Jesus that's a little bit stickier. It's going to have to be more in the line of that welder that Harley was talking about. That bond, that connection with that relationship with Jesus, it's got to be a little stickier. It's got to be a little tighter. So, Kind of our question as we get started this morning is, what happens when we stick, and what happens when we don't stick? What happens when we stick, and what happens when we don't stick? And that's what we're really going to try to talk about this morning. That's what we need to know, because new, it really depends on it. New depends on it. And this is today's unskippable step number four. And Harley's going to talk about here in just a moment, Jesus, he described this step Perfectly. You know, in week number one of this series, as we were talking about some of the nature of God, uh, and we said that we really can't get to new until we approach God on His terms, not our terms. That was a huge, huge, huge week. I hope you, I hope you heard that or will go back and listen to it. Week number two, we talked about what is real faith. And then last week, we described God's definition of this really important church word 
called repentance. And each week that we've talked in the previous three weeks have been unskippable steps. And so is today's an unskippable step. So we're going to see what Jesus has to say about the stickiness of relationship. And to do that, Jesus describes it by using three different branches. And the bad news is, each one of us listening, we are all one of those three branches. But the good news, Cole, we get to choose which branch we want to be. That's the good news. Now, as we get kind of jump into the teaching of Jesus and what he had to say about that, um, there's a little bit of context, I think, that's important. One, this is the very last teaching that we are going to have the opportunity to read about or to hear about before Jesus actually goes to the cross. This is the very last teaching that Jesus is going to give to his followers, to his disciples, as well as to us before he goes to the cross. In fact, and to me this is so, so very interesting, and, and sometimes maybe we miss this, this teaching that we're about to talk about, it's going to happen just hours before Jesus is actually arrested. Happens just a mere hours before Jesus is arrested. Um, so kind of to set the scene a little bit, Jesus and his apostles, they have just wrapped up their final Passover feast together. They've just wrapped up the Passover feast. You know, we hear about in the upper room and everybody's seen the picture of the Last Supper and all of that. That's finished. That's been wrapped up. And Jesus and his followers are now, they've left the upper room and they've actually left the, the walls of Jerusalem. They've left the city and they are en route to the Mount of Olives. Uh, that's where they're heading. So they're going from Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives. But as they're going to the Mount of Olives, they pass through a vineyard. The Bible tells us that they walk through a vineyard. Now, again, this is so important. Let's keep in mind, this is hours before Jesus is going to go to the cross. This is um, Jesus is getting set to be kept up all night long as he's going to experience the sham of an illegal trial. And Jesus knows that. He is very well aware that he is getting set to experience some horrible things. Jesus knows that he is getting set to face inhumane torture. He's very well aware of that. Um, Jesus is getting set to, he's about to go. He's going to die a humiliating and very painful death as he's going to be publicly executed. And again, Jesus is very well aware, well aware of that fact. And yet, and yet, all of those facts Jesus knows are coming in a matter of hours. And yet, Jesus stops in this very peaceful orchard, and he delivers the very last teaching to his apostles before this pain and humiliation of death is about to take place. I think it's pretty important, Harley. I, I think I so, too. I think it's pretty important because Jesus, in spite of all of that, he's going to stop and he's going to calmly, lovingly teach one very last time before his sacrificial execution. You know, I can almost imagine, because I have imagined this scenario and this setting with Jesus and these uh, 11, and he's pausing with these 11. And remember, it's 11 because in the upper room uh, at that Last Supper, that's where Judas went ahead and left to go meet with the temple authorities and, and to set up the whole arrest of Jesus later that night. So there's 11 disciples with Jesus at this moment, and I can almost imagine him pausing in that vineyard and picking up 
the vine or part of the vine and beginning this teaching. And here's how it came written to us by John who was there for that teaching. And here's what John tells us that Jesus said in John 15 verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true grapevine. Now that phrase is very, very important. We're going to get back to this phrase in just a moment, but I'm going to just move on past it for now. But just remember Jesus saying, I'm the true grapevine. Very important. And then he goes on and said, so I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Now this is Jesus who's setting up this metaphor for us, these scenes. And he says, I'm the vine, the true vine, and my father, God the father, is the gardener in this metaphor that he's teaching. And he goes on now in verse 2. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So he says now he, and he's referring specifically to the gardener, who in this story is God. He said, every branch that does not bear fruit, he, God, takes away. And I want to pause here for just a moment. When you look in the New King James Version of the Bible, uh, and there's a little number two beside that phrase, takes away. And that number two is a footnote. So you go down to the footnotes and you say, okay, what does that footnote say? What, What is, and it says, or, so it gives us an option, it could say takes away, or it could say lifts up. And I want to present to you this morning Uh, based upon my understanding and my study of the scripture, that lifts up is such a better translation of that Greek word. In fact, most of the other places where that Greek word is used in the New Testament, it is used referring to lifts up, not to takes away. And so here's why this is important. Because um, this is Jesus describing this very first branch, and it's so important that God is lifting up this one that is connected to the vine, to lift up, to take up. That's another word that can be used, lift up or take up. And it's Jesus describing our first branch. So this branch, Jesus is saying, is connected to the vine. And Jesus said, He said, I am the vine, the true vine. So this branch is connected to the vine. But somehow, as Jesus is describing the need for this to be lift up, somehow the pressures of life around this branch have caused it to fall to the ground. Or maybe it's the temptations of life. And, and it has fallen to the ground. It is now in the dirt where it has become, we're talking about the branch, it has become covered in dust and dirt and it's not getting any sun and with no sun it cannot produce any fruit. And so Jesus gives us this picture. And this is why this is so important. This picture of a loving Heavenly Father who is the gardener reaching down into the dirt and into the mud, into the dust and pulling that branch out of the dirt and then beginning to clean it off to expose the leaves once again on the branch, to clean it off. And then you can see the gardener taking that branch and then lifting it up 
and attaching it to a trellis. You understand how vineyards, when you've seen pictures, well, that was even happening in the first century. They were using a trellis to keep those vine, the, the vine trained and growing and the branches growing where they wanted it to grow. And you can see the gardener, Jesus, uh, God, picking up that, lifting it up, cleaning it off, and attaching it to the trellis so that it can get sun and so that it can begin to produce fruit. And listen, man, what a great, great picture that is of our lives. Most of us, and I know for me for sure, Cole, and I'm assuming you, my friends, as well, most of us have had moments in our lives where after we have, you know, connected ourselves already to Jesus, so we've been connected to him, but then something happens. For some reason, we fall. And sometimes we fall really, really hard. And God can use those circumstances of that fall in our own lives. He can use those circumstances to get our attention and to lovingly reach down and lift us back up. And then God can use even things like Stuttgart Harvest Church to help get us back clean and get us back growing and on a growth path again. And I'm thankful for what Stuttgart Harvest Church has even been and meant to me in my own life. And then God can use small groups and small group leaders and, and uh, friends that you have in your small group and even, even other friends to just help lift our lives out of the grossness to which we had grown accustomed. And then he will just lovingly lift us up and attach us and clean us off and attach us to that trellis. And some of us, Listening at this very moment and watching at this very moment, we can say, yeah, that was me. God lifted me up out of depression. God lifted me up, you might say, out of addiction. Or he maybe lifted you up out of anger or jealousy. He lifts us up out of all kinds of messes that we find ourselves in. This is branch number one. And some of us have been that branch. Many of us probably have found ourselves at one point or another in our journey of following Jesus as that branch number one. And then Jesus goes on and he talks about branch number two. Um, now this branch is different from branch number one in that it actually is producing fruit. It's connected. It's connected to the vine. It's connected to Jesus. These are still those that have made the choice to become Jesus, a follower of Jesus. But these are actually, this branch is actually producing fruit fruit. Now, the first two branches that Jesus describes, he's letting us know that for us as followers of him, it's all about producing fruit. It's all about producing fruit from our lives uh, in one fashion or another. And, and so we've got, we have this uh, progression of fruit. We have this progression from no fruit, then to some fruit. And finally, as we go along, we're going to have a progression to much, much, much fruit. And so Jesus is going to continue again. Uh, these are the, the words of Jesus as written down by John. Now, why is that important? First of all, I want to hit the pause button here for a second. As Harley's already mentioned, why is it important? Because John was there. John heard it. John was in the group. He was one of the 11. He listened to what Jesus said, and then he wrote it down. So we've got this firsthand 
primary source account of what Jesus said. So John, in John 15, chapter 2, John continues on. He says that Jesus said, And he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit, to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. So the life that is producing fruit, the life that, that is producing fruit, that's a life that's becoming new. That's a life where the gardener, and we've already defined the gardener as God, that's the life where God, he's cleansing it, he's pruning it, so that it's going to continually produce more and better fruit. And God's goal for each and every one of us, if we're a follower, if we're connected to the vine, if we're a follower, his goal for us, it's life change. It's life change. It's the gardener, God, making us new. And in fact, Harley, it's not just a goal. In fact, it's actually an expectation. That's what God expects of one that is connected to the vine to produce fruit and to create change. To do that, he's constantly cleaning us and he's constantly pruning us. Now, maybe for us, this picture, this analogy that Jesus is using to kind of paint this picture, it, may, it might go over some of our heads. You know, if we're not a gardener, or we're not uh, familiar with this process of, of, of how a, a gardener in a vineyard would work. But for these 11 apostles that Jesus was talking to, it would have hit home. Because remember, this is the first century. These are first century uh, individuals in the, in, in the, uh, in the area of, of what we know of, of is Israel. And so vineyards and the process of pruning and cleansing a vineyard, man, that would have been a picture that would have made a lot of sense. It may not make as much sense to us if we're not familiar with that, though. So this process of pruning, what is Jesus talking about? Well, the very first pruning of the year would occur in the spring. And it would typically be when the vines were in a flowering stage. They would be in a flowering stage. And this actual uh, process of the very first pruning actually had four operations. There were four steps to it. The first thing that would happen, the gardener would remove the growing tips of the vigorous shoots that had, that had grown out so that they wouldn't grow too rapidly. That's the first thing that the gardener will do. He'll get rid of those tips and those shoots that have kind of shot out there. They're in there because you might say they got it shot out there in front of the rest. And there's a really cool life application there because how frequently, I know me personally, I can speak to this, how frequently do we find ourselves on the right path and we think, you know, we're doing pretty good and we're, we're, we're making good progress as we're on this journey of following Jesus. And we start to get a little bit big for our britches, you know, and we start to think, okay, I've got this thing figured out and I'm ready to maybe go back into some of those old relationships that I used to have, those old friends, or maybe some of those old temptations that used to bother me. I've moved beyond that. I'm ready for that. Those places that landed us in the dirt, you know, maybe months ago or or, or, or years ago, we, we think, ah, we're, we're ready. He's very, to move back into that type of a life. But the gardener, God, he knows that. He's very well aware of that. And, and he's very well aware that we're trying to grow a little bit too fast. We're a little bit too big for our britches. So he's kind of slowing us down a little bit so that we can in turn draw our nourishment and our nutrition more from Jesus, the vine, and not just kind of grow past him or rush past him. So that would be the first pruning. The second pruning would involve the cutting off of one or two feet uh, from the end of the growing shoots to prevent those shoots from being snapped off into the wind. So these aren't bad shoots that the gardener's cutting off. These aren't bad. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just 
They've grown a little bit too far for the support structure that the vine has in place. And again, a good life application here for us. If we think that we have grown so much that we really don't need the support of the, uh, that the gardener has put in place for us, when the storms brew and life happens, and, and life's going to happen, when life's going to happen, if we allow ourselves to kind of get too far out away from what that support structure that God's put into place, whether that be good friendships, good relationships, a good church, whether that be Stuttgart Harvest Church or another church, then we're going to be fragile. And we're going to be able to be kind of tossed around and possibly we're going to snap in the wind. And so a great picture there, a great application there for this second pruning. Now the third, uh, the third pruning would take place with the removal of a flower or a grape cluster. I mean, actually removing some good stuff. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the vine, right? The whole purpose of the branch is to produce a cluster of fruit. But yet the third pruning is the removal of of flowers and grape clusters so that the clusters that come later can be better and uh, better quality, maybe larger, but it's the process of removing the good so that you can get to the great. And the gardener, God, does the same thing in many cases for us. He, he removes some good things. They're not bad, but sometimes God can remove some good things so that his best things don't get crowded out amongst a lot of good stuff. And then the fourth pruning that would take place, this is the most interesting. The fourth pruning that takes place is the removal of suckers. Um, I, I know I've done this before. If you grow tomato plants, you know, you, you've done that. You, you get those suckers off of there. The fourth pruning would be the removal of suckers that have arisen from what, the ground or that may have arisen from the trunk or maybe from a main branch. And what's happening is that sucker, it's just kind of sucking the strength away from the vine that should have been going to the branch. And so the gardener will remove those suckers. And here the gardener gets rid, of, he gets rid of the suckers, those little things that are really never going to produce life in us if we're applying it to the way that God, because those suckers are never going to get us to a place of new. And these suckers, they just kind of hang on, you know, almost like a parasite. Um, and they keep us from growing. They keep us from changing. They keep us from becoming new. They can be habits. Uh, they can be attitudes, and it could be different from, for everybody. Habits, attitudes, it could be behaviors. It could even be relationships. And the gardener's very meticulous. And sometimes it hurts when the gardener prunes, especially when the gardener removes good things so that we can have great things. But he does it simply, quickly, and oftentimes tenderly. But he removes those things so that only when we, the branch, submit to him. And submit to his guidance. And so this pruning that Jesus is talking about. It's such an important step. It's an important step for all of us. And it is going to happen. As a follower of Jesus. Throughout the course of our life. And throughout the course of that journey. Yeah. And that process is what leads to. From some fruit. Into being more fruit. And then more fruit. And eventually in our lives. Much fruit. And it is all due to us submitting to the gardener and the work of the gardener in our lives. And then Jesus goes on in verse 4. He says, now remain in me and I will remain in you. And it is in this remaining um, that is how God begins to change us from the inside out. Um, as we are attached 
or you could say welded, grafted into that vine, the life that is in the vine is now going to flow into that branch. And we are the branch. And Jesus says that his life inside of us is required because that is where our new comes from if we are regarding new that's where it comes from so what is inside of this brand this vine of Jesus this is a process that is all coming from God's spirit and there's that third element there in this whole process God the father God the son God the spirit and what is inside that vine is going to live inside of the branch and so Jesus continues, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And then he says to his uh, 11 followers there, his disciples, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me, if you're grafted, welded into me. See, the branch does not produce this fruit on its own. It is not a work of the branch. It is us, the branch, we simply... Our job is to be attached. That's our, our job. And it is the vine that produces what is needed for us to produce fruit in our lives. Now, Jesus, uh, now we're going to go back to that verse 1. Because Jesus says the same thing now in verse 5. He says, I am the vine. Remember what he said in verse 1? He said, I am the true vine. Jesus is making it very clear. He's now said it twice in these just handful of verses I he said am the vine he's making it very clear true vine the real vine now I have to ask why why would he need to make this clear it's interesting why were there other vines was this going to be confusing for his disciples does does he need some way somehow to distinguish himself as the true vine? And the answer is, well, yes, he did. He did need to distinguish himself because throughout, now this is new for us, but for his 11 guys he was talking to right there, throughout the Old Covenant, for us it is called the Old Testament, our Old Testament, periodically God referred to the nation of Israel as a vine. And now Jesus is saying, but wait a minute, they were a vine, but they were rooted in something very, very different. The nation of Israel was a vine rooted in the law. That's where their roots were growing, into the law. And now, here's the problem. The law was never meant to make someone new. It never was. It was always the job of the law, not to make them new, but to make them guilty. That was the only purpose of the law. And so Jesus is saying, I am God's true vine. I am the vine, not rooted in the law, but rooted in God's Spirit. I am the vine that will bring life. The law brought only one thing, that was death. I will bring life. He said, and through me, I am the true vine. You will have fruit. And Jesus is saying, I am replacing this old vine 
this old covenant. I'm replacing this old vine, this old vine that was rooted in the law. I am replacing that. And Jesus actually said earlier, I am not here to do away with that. I am here to fulfill that law. And in fact, in just hours from this moment that Jesus said that, he would be doing that very thing. He would fulfill that law as he died on the cross. So Jesus says here, again, I am the vine, and he continues on, and he says, and you are the branches. So again, we've got this picture very clear. Jesus the vine, God the gardener, and us, me, I'm the branch. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus very clearly very clearly is saying that the only way to connect to God, the only way to connect to the gardener, well, the only way to change, the only way to bear fruit is to abide in the vine. Abide in Jesus. Be connected to Jesus. Again, Jesus says that he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life, and no one gets to the Father. No one gets to the gardener except through him. And this, this becomes his next point, because now we jump into that third branch. We've talked about the first branch that is connected, but it's not bearing fruit. We talked about the second branch that's connected and is bearing fruit, and how God just prunes it and cleanses it so that it will make and produce better fruit. And then this third branch Jesus talks about starting in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me. So that another way would be saying, if anyone is not connected to me, the true vine. So this is the branch that has found itself severed. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burnt. So this third branch Jesus is saying that if you're Connected to the old vine, you know, if you're connected in, in the case of the 11 apostles that were listening, if you're connected to the law like you used to be, then um, that's not the same thing. If, if you're depending upon the law to save you, if you're uh, depending on anything other than me, if you're going to abide in anything but me, then you're dead already. You're like a dead, disconnected branch that's just laying on the ground, withering up, drying out, and is ready to be thrown into the fire. Now the key here is that being connected to anything, anything other than Jesus, being connected to anything other than, as he said in verse 1, the true vine, we're spiritually dead. It doesn't matter how many um, laws that we've kept. It doesn't matter how many rules we followed. It doesn't matter uh, how good we are. It doesn't matter how many church services that we have attended, and it doesn't matter which church that might have been. It doesn't matter how many Bible studies that we've led. It doesn't matter how many days we've been sober, and it doesn't matter how many people that we've encouraged along the way. Jesus is very, almost painfully, clearly saying here that if we're not connected to the true vine, and he's defined himself as the true vine, then we're already dead. And dead things, they don't grow. They just don't grow because they're severed from the vine. Dead things aren't new. 
unless, unless the dead things like Jesus is talking about, those dead things can somehow get connected to the true vine. Yeah, we're not talking about a masking tape type connection, a duct tape connection, a super glue, as, as strong of a hold as we can make. We're talking about being welded to the vine, grafted into the vine. We're talking about a solid, lifelong, secure connection. Nothing that we could manufacture. Um, nothing that we could do. We want to be permanently connected to where we really become part of him, not just hanging around him. He had a lot of people in his life and ministry that just hung around Jesus and followed him from town to town. And there's a lot of people today that are just comfortable just kind of hanging around Jesus and being around Jesus. But there are going to be many, and the Bible describes this as many, many disappointed people at the end of their lives who are going to be hoping to get into heaven. And they're going to say things to Jesus, and among that is going to be, Jesus, we were around, I hung around you. I was around your word, I was around your teaching, I, I was around I was around you. I am so familiar with you, Jesus. That they were never welded to Jesus, grafted in to Jesus, connected to the vine, the life, Jesus. So as we wrap this up this morning, I just simply need to ask, which branch are you? Which branch represents your life? Are you connected to Jesus? And maybe in your life the gardener is now lifting you up out of some painful mess that has you down in the ground and dirty and covered with just the muck of life. And this week, if that is you, I've been there. If that is you, then this week I'm just going to simply to ask you to do this. Will you just talk to God this week? God who desires to lift you up. God who desires to clean you off. To get you cleaned up and, and to safely attach you to his trellis where you can be where you need to be in order for the sun to get to you and your life to produce fruit. If that is you, will you talk to God this week about where he needs to lift you up and where he needs and wants to clean you off and where he is wanting to attach you to his trellis. Or maybe you're branch number two. Maybe God has produced some fruit in your life, but now it's time for a massive cleaning. Maybe it's time now for a very strategic pruning in your life. Because God wants to produce more and more and more fruit. And so, is He ready in your life? 
Is he ready to eliminate some of those life suckers off of your life? Is he ready to maybe even prune some good things that are in your life? Some good things. So maybe he's getting ready to help you change your priorities in your life. And and maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe it's a good thing that he's saying, this good thing that has been your priority is keeping you from my best. And so maybe that is going to be pruned. Will you have a conversation with God about that? Where does he want to prune the, the, the negative things that need to be gone? Where does he want to prune some of the good things that you focused on, but he's saying that's keeping you from my best? Will you have that conversation with God? Talk to him about where he wants to prune you, or perhaps, perhaps your branch number three. And as we have visited this morning, maybe you're realizing that you're not actually connected to the true vine. Maybe you're not connected. Maybe you've just been hanging around Jesus and hanging around His church and, and you have been around, but maybe there's none of His life flowing into you. Maybe you're not connected to Him. And this morning, you may know that right now at this moment because you may be sensing, yeah, Jesus is calling me. You may be feeling that in your heart, that tug right now. And Him calling to your heart, calling to your mind, talking to your soul, Him saying, I want you to come. I want you to follow me. So is it time for you to follow him? To attach your life to him and to him alone. Do you need to do that right now? Because if you are feeling that tug of your li- on your life, then it is not too late for you. This step that I'm talking about at this moment, for if this is you... This step is really a culmination of everything we've talked about the previous three weeks. Week one, two, and three. And it leads to this at this very moment. And if you're ready right now to just tell Jesus in your mind, in your heart, if this is you, I'm just going to ask you to do that right now. You don't have to say this out loud. Jesus is listening to you. God can actually read your mind. He created it. And He can hear you right now. And if this is what you're ready to do, then I'm just simply going to say, will you in your mind have a conversation with God? And here's some things you need to tell Him. You need to tell Him, Jesus, I'm choosing to attach my life to you right now. I'm choosing to attach to you And you alone. Because you died on the cross for me, Jesus. And three days later, you defeated death and you walked out of that tomb alive. You truly are the way, the truth, and the life. And God, Jesus, as my creator, you are now my savior. And because of that, you have earned the right to be the boss of my life. And Jesus, as my boss, you get to say what goes. Even if I don't understand why, you get to say what goes. So Jesus, I'm asking you to take my life. Attach my life to yours 
forever. And if that was really your conversation with God, then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Before you click submit on that connection card, and if you have already clicked submit, then just start a new one. It's okay. Please make sure we have your name and your contact information. This is the only way we'll know if you're taking this step. Before you click submit, will you mark that box that says that you are making Jesus the boss of your life, that you're becoming a follower of Jesus. If you'll look your way down that connection card, you'll see the place to mark that. And my hope is that you will take a step with us today. Now, before we celebrate this in song, I'm going to ask, would you join me in a prayer? Let's pray. Jesus, you are the true vine. And may we be connected to you. There is no new unless we are in you, Jesus. And some of us are connected to you, but we find ourselves needing you to lift us up out of the dirt. Because we've wandered our way into there. And Jesus, we need you to, to the gardener, we need you, God, to lift us out. And we need, we know pruning is not fun, but God, we need it. It can be painful, but without it, we will never produce more and more and more fruit, which is your desire. May we abide in you. May you, God, produce a great harvest through our lives. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen.